Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gabby here. And uh, I, I'm Stucker or Steven. I'm back. Yeah. Okay. So this week we have had a lot happening. Our entire house got flooded when we were in Austria two weeks ago, actually. And then we got back from Austria and we were like, oh, damn, our kitchen's messed up. But we have to go to South Carolina for War at the Barrens. So we went. I think messed up is a little bit of an understatement right. considering how much happened. And by the time we got back, um, like a few days later, we ripped up our floors. We realized there was mold. We called the insurance company. They sent people out. They ripped up the floor. There was a lot of mold. And now we have no kitchen. We've had no floors. And Stephen has spent the last like week reinstalling downstairs flooring in our entire house, which I mean, he's not a contractor. So it's been it's been a task. You're and missing the best part of it. They specifically said when they tore up the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can have someone here as soon as this next week. Oh, awesome. OK. Deconstruction finishes. Oh, yeah. Next available appointment. A one month. month from now. So we have no kitchen. We've had no kitchen. It's been insane. And, you know, we've just been trying to work around that. It's been going horribly, as one would imagine. I wish I was extinct, Gabby. I wish I was extinct sometimes. He wishes he was extinct like the dinosaurs we're going to be talking about. <laughs> just straight boned like we are because we have no kitchen. <laughs> hey, I, I see what you did there. <laughs> did you see what I did there? I saw what you did there, yeah. We're not so, sleep deprived. We're funny. Also, on top of that, um, Joya got the stomach bug, which means we've all had a little bit of a sick era. So Brenna could not come over to record today as usual. Usually when Steven's guesting on the podcast, it's because my entire household is ill. So congrats. Um, I'm just going to ask before we begin that you all leave us a review, though, because that helps us grow and get shown to more people. So if you want us to grow, if you want us to make more episodes, please. Leave us a review. And on top of that, we did make a Patreon. It is Mystery of Everything podcast. If you guys want to subscribe, go for it because I'm really excited. We're going to be releasing ad-free episodes as well as bonus episodes. We have one bonus episode so far that we're going to be posting. So let us know what else you want to hear. Now, with that out of the way, welcome back to another episode of What Kept Me Up all night this week you were extremely focused on that i i was impressed just to say i love dinosaurs and i it's a newfound love because i've never really given too many shits about dinosaurs wait you didn't care about them as kid as like as a kid absolutely not i was not a dinosaur girl i was not a dinosaur girl i had other things to worry about okay what were every kid has tsunamis earthquakes you were a natural disaster kid 
I had other I had other concerns. I grew up in the Caribbean. Anything could happen. Okay, you know what? That's actually fair. You all have mud volcanoes, right? Like that was we a big do thing? have mud volcanoes. We have a very large mud volcano, and in my country, we have the largest pitch lake in the world. So if you guys ever want to see a giant ass fucking pitch lake, go to Trinidad. Dang. Don't ask further questions. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where did all the diners go? Um, but like to the tune of where did all the good guys go? Because that's what was running through my head while I researched this. And I'm, I'm really pissed about it. So we all know that dinosaurs existed. We know roughly when they existed. And we know that they no longer exist. Yeah, you know, we know when, just like give or take a few million years. A <laughs> uh, hundred million. But <laughs> unless you want to count birds, but we know birds aren't real because they're just surveillance devices. Invented by the Chinese, yes. That may or may not be a joke. Don't think too hard into it. <laughs> okay, so while I want to do a more in-depth breakdown of the evolution of humans at a later date, that would kind of elaborate on my Neanderthals episode. I thought it would be fun to look at dinosaurs because so many people ask whether Neanderthals and dinosaurs existed at the same time. So really, we need to work on our timeline perspectives, you guys. Um, I just, I love our listeners so much, but we have a lot of work to do Teaching you like the grand scale of evolution and the grand scale of the fossil record and the grand scale of just history. Come on, guys. We we can do a lot better than this. Have you seen that artwork, Gabby, of like the people would actually draw and say like, oh, Neanderthals and, you know, dinosaurs existed at the same time. Like and they would just like draw them together. And that that, that's a thing that would be preached by many different organizations. I have. And oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So when did dinosaurs exist in the scheme of history? We know dinosaurs existed on Earth for millions of years during the Mesozoic era. And everything we know about this period in time comes from careful research in order to probably date and identify as much as we can. From the Triassic period to the Cretaceous period, dinosaurs dominated Earth. Also, quick review, because there will be a test. The periods of the Mesozoic era in order are the Triassic, the Jurassic, and the Cretaceous, which I feel like we should have learned in like elementary. Like, I feel like you learned that in preschool if you're like one of the weird kids. If, weird kids? You mean a dino kid? Like if you just- Yeah, like, like okay. if you're a dino kid, you learn this for Almost sure. every child, especially when it comes to males in this here as, as a kid, has basically three types of things that they You love. could be the history guy. You Well, history, I, I guess so. But the big thing from is like a little kid is usually trucks. Trains. Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. It's, it's trains. It's trucks. It's fucking trains. It's trucks and tr- construction. It is trains and it is dinosaurs. And yeah. those are like the three things that you typically see. Yeah. Like there's no in between. Like you pick one and you kind of like evolve with it over time. Yes. Um, I feel like the dino kids grow up to be the history kids and yes. the train kids. Um, the, the construction or truck kids grow up to be the train kids. It's, it's fun. The science kids just grow up to be me unfortunately why would you say that that's an unfortunate thing i have you because you go to like pre-med you get to college and you're like i actually hate the human body and blood so we're just gonna 86 that and try to like make a living as a scientist without going to med school bitch no scientist gets fucking paid that much i'm so sorry there's like you can get paid, but like we don't get paid that much, you know. It's true. For anyone who's familiar with me and my history stuff, my original plan was I was actually planning on being a zoologist. That didn't happen. You went to get a history degree because you want to be a zoologist? No, my initial thing in high school, and then I got a B in uh on like my advanced biology class, AP like my bio. sophomore year. Yeah, and I just went, no. I I I can't I didn't get an A, therefore I'm gonna change my entire life goal. 
because of that. You don't have to get an A in bio to get, because AP bio teaches you foundation. So by the time you got to like actual college bio, it's like easy. What do you mean you changed your entire life plan? That's what happened. It was a B. I kid you not. That is straight up what happened to me. <laughs> okay. I don't like you anymore. I just decided. Okay. So after a mass extinction, that is known as the great dying. Which oh is my God. That such is such a brilliant name. name. Yeah. Do you think that it was a bunch of scientists in like the 60s or 70s that were just like, everything fucking died. Everything died, man. <laughs> it's the great dying. I, I love it so much. We just don't name things like this anymore. But after the great dying, whose proper name is the Permian mass extinction, dinosaurs began to take charge. During the great dying, over two thirds of all land dwelling species, as well as 95% of all ocean species, died out. Nearly all the trees died out, and some scientists, such as Cindy Loy, a paleontologist, believes that the Permian extinction was caused by acid rain caused by volcanic gases. Oh, yeah, because it wasn't just animals that way. It was plants, too. Um, it, like, all life. 95% of ocean species and two-thirds of all land-dwelling species and nearly all trees. Oh, oh right, because a bunch of grasses and stuff that didn't exist yet, right? That evolved way later. So, like, everything that existed at that time fucking died. Damn. They just started fucking fresh. And I'm, I'm not joking. So when I made that joke, I made a joke on like X, not X, on threads, on threads. I was like, oh, um, the earliest dinosaurs existed and they had Pangea and they had, um, you know, no borders. And they didn't, ex they didn't make a, tra a giant transcontinental railroad. And everyone thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, that's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Because they, they would have had to stop to fuel it. Everything was dead. Everything, there was a giant extinction. Um, but yeah, she believes that the Permian mass extinction was caused by acid rain, which was caused by volcanic gases. However, there were many other theories as it was so widespread. So we should definitely do a future episode on this because, guys, there were so many mass extinctions in this period of time. Like, there were, I think, five. It was insane. Like, everything just kept dying. You'd be like, oh, everything's thriving. And then, oop, mass extinction. So make sure to let me know if you want an episode on the great dying, because it looks like a fun topic from everything that I've seen. So wait, to clarify, the great dying was not just like... It wasn't the great it dino was dying. It was multiple events happening, which is why they're no. calling the great dying? No, no, no. The great dying happened between the period that was before the Mesozoic era. Oh. So the Triassic period was the first um, period of the Mesozoic era. But leaving the previous era, there was a great dying. And then we entered the Triassic. Okay. Okay. No, sorry, got it. Okay. So back to the great dino dying. Um, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue the way the great dying does. However, during the Triassic period, Pangea existed, which was basically one large landmass surrounded by a giant ocean. There were no polar ice caps and the temperatures were well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius in most places across the entire continent. The Triassic period saw the emergence of many types of reptiles. The Archosaurus and Therapsids are some of these. Archosaurs are also called ruling reptiles because they included dinosaurs and pterosaurs, which were actually flying reptiles. Therapsids are a group of ancient reptiles that later evolved to become mammals. So during this period of time, they were both like kind of competing to see who would be dominant throughout Earth. And there's like a lot of stuff that happens so mammals I mean, obviously, what wiped out the dinosaurs caused mammals to become dominant. But before that, there was like competition between all sorts of like dinosaurs and dinosaur like animals. Oh, okay. All right. So between these 
like both of these groups, the archosaurs had the evolutionary evolutionary advantage, and they were the first to evolve by the mid-Triassic period into the first dinosaurs. The exact timeline of this is up for debate, however. It is believed that Eoraptor was the first dinosaur. And guys, the pictures of these dinosaurs, Eoraptor looks like something out of Jurassic Park, which is really ironic because most of the dinosaurs out of Jurassic Park come from the Cretaceous era, mm-hmm. like the Cretaceous period, sorry. But it was called Jurassic Park. And that comes up again later because um, if you look at your script, Steve, Eoraptor, it looks like, I don't know, one of those really fast little dinos that was running after everyone in Jurassic World. Like a Velociraptor. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But it's blue. I don't, we don't know if it's blue, you guys. We just, I think they just made it blue for the pictures. I'm going to upload all of these photos on Instagram and I'm going to caption what they are. I'm going to upload them on Patreon. I'm going to capture what, like caption what they are. Because some of these dinos were so funny looking. I was, I had so much fun making this episode. So, some Oh my are- God, the archosaurs. I'm seeing the picture in this now, looking at this. Do you know what this thing looks like? Like for anyone who is watching this, or not watching, but listening to this right now, if you don't find the picture of this thing, I swear to God, look it up. It looks like something that is straight out of an, as like an SCP horror. <laughs> Does it not? Does it not look like, that doesn't look like an actual dinosaur. That looks like something that someone imagined a horror creature and put it in. I found the best photos I could find. Okay, some clarification of the timeline for you all. The first dinosaur is up for debate because the fossil record isn't complete. We know what we were able to get from that fossil record and we know like the missing pieces. While we can make assumptions to fill it in, we can't say with absolute certainty. It comes down to research by paleontologists, debates, and carefully drawn conclusions. But based on the fossils that we do have, the earliest dinosaurs that we have record of were found in the Ischgualisto formation in northern Argentina. And these were the skeletons of the meat-eating dinosaurs Herosaurus and Eoraptor, as well as a herbivorous dinosaur, Pisanosaurus. Fun fact, according to the American Museum of Natural History, some rock layers from this formation contain volcanic ash that have a radioisotopic age of 228 million years ago. So that is like a long, long time for all this. Also, you can see the Eoraptor, you can see the Herosaurus. I mean, they look pretty cool. No, okay, those look cool. And then I just like literally scroll down and I see the whole thing with the <laughs> archosaurs. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a monstrosity. So some archosaurs became pterosaurs, which were winged flying reptiles that ranged from the size of a sparrow to a 36 foot long Quetzalcoatlus. Oh, the Quetzalcoatlus. Okay. You yeah. know, so that's the whole thing that is based off the, uh, the Aztec serpent god. Isn't it just beautiful though? Yeah, no, honestly. I mean, um, look at the picture of it, guys. I, I will also upload this. It looks so funky because it's just long neck, long beaks, short wings, short legs. Where is the body? It looks like what would happen if you took, not, not a heron. Um, it looks like what would happen if a heron, a pelican, and a giraffe all had a baby. And it's, this is going to be my nightmares. Yeah, it's, um, it wasn't great. So they also branched out to become ancestral crocodiles. So... Next time you see a crocodile, be like, hey, archosaur. Don't do that. I don't know. That might be dangerous. Ah, book me a trip <laughs> to Florida. I'm doing this. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places. Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan. 
but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. The mammal-like reptiles known as therapsids at this point just started getting smaller. So the therapsids were the ones that kind of like evolved into mammals. With the first mammals of this Triassic period being Eozostrodon and Cynocondon, which were mouse-like. And also I will upload the photos because they're so cute, you guys. A little fluffy. They look like giant mice. Very cute. They do. I don't have a picture of a Cynocondon because I couldn't find a reliable one. And the only one that I found was basically a ferret. So if you really want to know what it looked like, picture a ferret. Oh, ferrets are cute, but they do smell. Do they? Oh, they do. Ferrets are naturally extremely musky. It's like they have a very distinct and strong scent. And it's what they use to mark their territory, essentially. So that's one of the things where it's like you can train a ferret to basically use a litter box. And that's what it is that they do. But also you have to change that regularly because it's very strong. Like, you know how cat pee is very strong, like oh, way stronger than dog litter pee. Box. I know, I know I have to change the cat's litter box. I, I understand that. I know. And I will. But we're talking about ferret pee <laughs> here, Tabby, and that's more important to the conversation. Okay, so now marine life during the Triassic period was rough because remember how 95% of ocean life literally died off in the Great Dying? While the oceans were free for dinos or a dino-adjacent creatures to take over. So we saw... Oh. Un- Free real estate. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we saw unclassified creatures such as Placardus and Nothosaurus, in addition to Plesiosaurus, which were long-necked marine animals, as well as Ichthyosaurus, which were fish lizards, essentially. However, before we can move on to the Jurassic period, we have to go through one more N-Triassic extinction. Because of course we do. Planet Earth was so moody back then, like during the N-Triassic extinction, it was comparatively much smaller than the Great Dying. But about 76% of all marine and terrestrial species. Puny. Yeah. What a great survival rate. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, that's still a giant fucking number. Yeah. 
Yeah, more than half. But look, it's almost a quarter survived. So about 76% of all marine and terrestrial species died off. And this is the event that many believe to be the moment that allowed dinosaurs to become dominant. I love how they said it was a mild extinction, but then like 20% of all taxonomic families died off. Yeah. Like I need to have a word with the relativity police at Britannica because what the fuck. But it did rank fourth out of the five mass extinction episodes in this time period when it comes to severity. So I, I, I really don't know you guys. It was a bad time to live. And again, it might have been caused by meteors, climate or volcanoes or maybe all of the above. Meteor hits the ground sets of a volcano immediately triggers a like global Giant climate change yeah, exactly that's pers- that's yeah that's yeah that you don't know happen. how you don't know how accurate you are that, my that guy. really could happen so please roll the jurassic park theme song james um just kidding don't do that because copyright Yo, yeah copyright but please don't. up next is the jurassic period a time when pangea crumbled and the weather got tropical subtropical but this period took place about 199 to 145 million years ago. Pangea decided it was time to make like a banana and split. Oh, Gabby. <laughs> Gabby. Sorry. That's my thing. I won't do that again. But the, oh man, that was really funny. That was my thing. I forgot I wrote that in there. Oh. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm so funny. I should do stand up. But the northern half, known as Laurasia, broke apart into North America and Eurasia. The southern half, which was called Gondwana, began to break up by the mid-Jurassic period. The eastern part, which contained Antarctica, Madagascar, India, and Australia, broke apart from the western half, which was Africa and South America. At this time, mountains rose on the seafloor and sea levels rose higher. With the water level rise, water started to move out onto the continent. And we saw for the first time lakes and rivers and a complete change in climate. Remember how in the Triassic period everything was dry? Well, now they had humidity. I hope no dinos had curly hair. (laughs) Okay, my curly-haired girlies will get that. Anyway, new types of trees started growing in different areas due to the new climate. The oceans during this time recovered once again from the last extinction event. I'm talking prehistoric. Fish, squids, and sharks, giant marine crocodiles, plesiosaurs, thriving coral reefs due to the warm waters, and microscopic plankton, which plankton are so important even today. So on the land, we saw a much larger, larger herbivorous. Yeah, herbivorous. Okay, that word is so hard to say because I want to say the H. Yes, okay. So I I always thought as a kid when reading it, right? Because you always see this in books. No one would actually just say it aloud, right? You wouldn't just have that. I thought it was like herbivorous. That's how I would say that. Wait, please say psych. That's just through on the nose. Yeah, so I thought it was herbivorous. Like, that's what I would say. (laughs) And then apparently, no, you actually hear it pronounced and it's herbivorous. Herbivorous. Okay, so on land, we saw much larger herbivorous dinosaurs due to the increase in plant life caused by the new climate. Flowering plants were slowly evolving, which led to a massive increase in plants overall that helped with dinosaur diversity during the following Cretaceous period. In case you didn't know, sauropod is the name of the classification of dinosaurs that had long freaking necks. With I, long do, tails, I do know long necks. Yes, I'm very familiar. Vegetarian. I have seen the land before time, Gabby. I am what you would call an expert dinosaur long neck connoisseur. Yes. A paleontologist? No, just long a long neck, neck connoisseur. That's it. Sauropods, um, long freaking necks, long tails, vegetarian. 
Keep that in mind. So the Brachiosaurus was one of these and it reached up to 52 feet or 16 meters tall. It was 85 feet or 26 meters long and it weighed more than 80 tons. Like it was a, look at the picture of that. It's massive, dude. It was a giraffe of its time. Like what a cutie. Yeah, that, Gabby, that's, um, that's what we would call a <clears throat> scientific name, a long neck. Yes. 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 A, a long freaking neck dinosaur. Do you know how disappointed I was to learn or like annoyed or upset that all this time, the, when, like when I was a little kid and I saw Land Before Time and everything that I was saying, oh yeah, it's a long neck dinosaur. And that's just what it was called. Like I thought like that was its name as an animal, like a long neck. And then no, Brachiosaur, which I thought, oh, that's the scientific name of just what it is. No, that's only one of like, dozens of different species of the varying things that there were and i was so upset by this as a kid because it went from me knowing everything to me knowing nothing you knew like one thing yes that it had a long neck and that's literally it so it shattered my worldview as a kid you could have just googled sauropods but we didn't have google did no we? this is before that time god yeah I feel old. we're older than google that sucks yeah our computer rooms had no chance you had a computer <laughs> room right i did well, um, yeah, actually, I'm trying to remember for your because I did, I did get a computer pretty early on here because my grandfather actually built them. My mom used to have us all made custom computers, which was so fun because we each had our own like custom built computer. That is, no, that's awesome. And I've had basically the same thing, but very few people had that. And it was so funny because our first computer, my mother would hog and just play like Mancala of all things. <laughs> all day long. <laughs> oh, and Pac-Man. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. My mother played Pac-Man so much one day that eventually she was like, oh, I'm dreaming about it. I got to stop. And she'd never played it again because literally, legit, she dreamt about Pac-Man all freaking night long. She never played it again. Wow. <laughs> she was obsessed. Okay. So back to dinosaurs from Pac-Man. Obvious segue. The Diplo... Docus was another sauropod that was 90 feet or 27 meters long. They were so massive that scientists assume this is how they might have been able to avoid being eaten by the Allosaurus, which was not a vegetarian. It was a very giant carnivorous dinosaur. I will say it was a little scary looking in, you know, the pictures that I found. There were actually quite a few carnivorous dinosaurs at this time, and they were freaking massive. So... Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. If they're going to be taking down something that is the size of everything else that we're talking about. Yeah. And that's one funny, like, part of all of these dinosaurs that existed. A lot of experts look at it and they're like, yeah, maybe they didn't get eaten because they just grew so big that it was constantly a predator versus prey relationship. So, like, the predator would, like, kill, you know, the dinosaur, but the dinosaur would evolve, like, you know, the herbivores would evolve to be bigger. So then it was harder for the carnivores to kill them and it just kept going. So they kept going bigger and then... That is an interesting detail because it's like you're not going to be able to reproduce unless you can get food, which means you're probably going to be taking off the weaker, smaller members of the pack. This leads the bigger ones that are left, right? The bigger ones then breed and, and guess what? more bigger ones. You're correct. And it becomes like an almost size arms race. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting because I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Again, we don't, we don't know what happened. We weren't there. If I could make a time machine and if anybody knows how I can get one of those, hit me up. Just email us. Mystery of everything pod at gmail.com. I'm saying it right now. It's 
to Neeson for. We just, we just need our time machine. So that'd be cool. Anyway, the later Jurassic period also saw the presence of the earliest known bird, which was the Archaeopteryx. The Archaeopteryx. I, I have said no that idea way how to bad. actually pronounce that. No, I know it is the Archaeopteryx. Okay, so it actually like is that. I always see that word as a kid and I just don't even try to pronounce it. Not even in my head. No, it's, it's literally Archaean and Opteryx. And all the pictures that I found of this were actually adorable. This new bird had to compete with all the pterosaurs that were, we talked about earlier from the Triassic period. And we also saw the emergence of insects. So I, I don't know. They, they can take it back. The picture looks like what would happen if you had a flying squirrel crossed with a hawk. It's so cute. It is. Google Archaeopteryx, you guys. It's adorable. So the Cretaceous period, <clears throat> moving on from the Jurassic period. We don't have a theme song for this one. No, you we don't. Make one again, up, make one up, go. Creepy, creepy, Cretaceous period. I don't know what I would be doing at that point because they, everything just, gets way bigger. You right? like an instrumental. You could be like, dun, 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 dun. No, because I feel like every time I start to do anything with any kind of song, it's going to start just veering into Indiana Jones. I was veering like into Game of Thrones. Defaults. I was veering into Game of Thrones and I had to like, Unfair myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can't do it. So the Cretaceous period is the period that was arguably the peak of dinosaur diversity and existence. It was the longest Mesozoic era period, and Earth was the most similar to what we know today. It started about 145 million years ago, and it ended 66 million years ago. It lasted almost 80 million years, and it was the longest geological period of the Phanerozoic eon. The early Cretaceous Epoch lasted from 145 million years ago to 100.5 million years ago. And the late Cretaceous Epoch lasted from 100.5 million years ago to 66 million years ago. An epoch in this context is a subdivision of a period that is divided into ages. I know it's complicated, but also it's really not. A lot of people think that dinosaurs were at their peak during the Jurassic period due to the Jurassic Park movies. And also Land Before Time. But as we saw yeah. before, they were still developing and diversifying. The Cretaceous period is where we really saw dinosaurs of all types dominating life on Earth. We saw dinosaurs branch out into armored, raptor claws, thick-skulled, and long-toothed and long-tailed meat and plant eat eaters. The modern-day continents started to take shape with similar weather to the Jurassic period. But now there are more cold periods mixed in. We saw sea levels rise further more swamps emerge, it started to look more like what we would be familiar with today. Also, you all might think that mentioning swamps is weird, but the amount of biodiversity and ecological value that swamps or various wetlands in general add to Earth is very vital to life on Earth. It's literally the thing that you are studying and do. It's like everything surrounding wetlands. So just a few things that wetlands do for us. They provide habitat for aquatic and terrestrial plants and animals. They provide flood protection. They improve water quality. They help prevent shoreline erosion. They help maintain groundwater recharge and they maintain stream flows. I'll spare you details of the importance of groundwater, though. Maybe I'll do a wetlands podcast one day. And again, it's basically my entire degree. Kind of, not really. It's complicated. Anyway, but with Pangaea breaking up, we saw the beginning of formations of North and South America, Europe, Asia and Africa. Fun fact, the North American continent was divided by the Western Interior Sea we split the continent in essentially half, with the states of Colorado and Wyoming being completely underwater. The Dust Bowl used to be the Wet Bowl. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, it, it literally was a giant freaking sea. Yeah. 
basically a lot of these states were nowhere near where they are now. So we have found shark fossils in Kansas and most of the South was actually underwater, like Florida who? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't need that. Where do you think the gators came from? They were still evolving from the freaking bird things that were flying around. No, the gators, they were, remember, they were just the marine ones. Because the birds came from a different... Oh, um, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And but, um, that was from an earlier period. I've included a picture of a map. It's really neat, but a lot of marine fossils have been found in a lot of these areas due to this western interior sea. Guys, North America looked like... um, It was a few states and a lot of water, essentially. So what about the dinosaurs of the Cretaceous period? How did the weather and landscape of the Cretaceous period affect the dinosaurs? And what led to their eventual demise? If this was the period of their mass growth, what caused their rapid decline and eventual mass extinction? Well, anyway, glad you asked. I have so much to say. The plant life of this period greatly affected the dinosaurs that existed. Plant life was very different from today due to the very different climate. Keep in mind the poles back then were free of ice which means that they were essentially temperate rainforests that grew at the poles. Oh, the penguins would have been so happy. I mean, then again, they would have just gotten sunburned at that time. But yes, yes, lovely time period. Bessie, there weren't any penguins yet. <laughs> See, that already is a crime. Penguins are, ador- are, are adorable. So there is evidence that West Antarctica had polar forests. And the interesting thing about these forests, and I thought this was so cool, you guys, is that during this era, they would have to withstand four months of the year in total darkness. Plants with no sunlight due to polar night are pretty freaking impressive. That is insane. Gabby, did you ever do the lima bean experiment? Every like in- person oh, on Earth did the lima bean. It Were wasn't you- even in biology. It was in elementary school. Yeah, no, but I'm... Okay, I don't know if every school did this, where it's like, obviously, everyone has to like grow a lima bean. That's like a big thing growing it's up. It's in did- elementary school. It's yeah. like first grade. Did you do the one where you also grow lima bean in the dark? Yeah, you grow like one that you put out a window and one that you leave in your house. Okay, so that okay, so it's the same first pretty much grade, everyone. essentially. Oh, yeah, but I didn't know if they did the exact same setup. That's why I was asking. I don't know. We went to he went to school in the U.S. and I went to school in Trinidad, so that's we do why, different that's things at different points. To ask. We need to know whether or not you did the lima bean. We did. <laughs> Very. It good. was our red bean, but yeah, we did. Okay. Hello, everyone. Takuyi here, and I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Throughout history, royals across the world were notorious for incest. They married their own relatives in order to consolidate power and keep their blood blue. But they were oblivious to the havoc all this inbreeding was having on the health of their offspring. From Egyptian pharaohs marrying their own sisters to the Habsburgs' notoriously oversized lower jaws, I explore the most shocking incestuous relationships and tragically inbred individuals in royal history. And that's just episode one. 
On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Join me every Tuesday for new episodes of the History Tea Time podcast, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Is that is no further question? No, no. I just really needed to know that question because I'm thinking about the lima bean experiment, like that whole thing. That's when I knew that I had a black thumb because anything that I tried to grow would die. Did at they a young both age. not grow? Oh no, none of my stuff would grow, and it really frustrated me. Did you fail? Well, you would fail where I'm I was from. in elementary school. Like, no, that didn't. That that wasn't a thing yet in oh, like first grade. No, we got failed. Oh, we didn't do that in first grade. That wouldn't happen at that time. You couldn't time. fail first grade. No, you couldn't fail first grade. That's not real school. No. I mean, you technically There's could no fail if you then. just didn't, like, show up at Wait, all. No, no, no. Stop. Why would you try if you couldn't fail? That's the thing. Grades weren't a thing. I still remember. You got grades because my, I got grades in, like, yeah, you did, but preschool. It but it wasn't, like, A, B, C, and D, et cetera. We it was got like, A, B, C, D grades. Like, you could get an, you could fail and repeat. No, we didn't. That, that wasn't a thing That's until I think school. I was in third Boo, grade. tomato, tomato. <laughs> That's not real education. That's just, that you're just playing. You're just play school. I'm sorry. I don't want to be that guy, but there's, there's no stakes. So you didn't really learn anything, obviously, because you would have failed. I would have failed you. You uh-huh. couldn't grow a bean. Sorry. I shouldn't be grading you. It's, it's wow. been like 20. Okay. It's let, been like 20 Let my years. pale ass go to the North Pole then and live in perpetual night since I don't need all this shade. I got plenty of my own. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, during the Cretaceous period, we saw an expansion of flowering plants and we saw the development of insect pollination, which was a large evolutionary leap because before that, we didn't have, you know, like plants didn't get pollinated by insects. They just... Reached out and touched tips. Yes. I don't know. Yes. They grow Um, towards each other and touch (laughs) tips. That's how it works. I'm just going to. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) So. (laughs) Stop. We saw a lot of turnover in the types of dinosaurs that existed during this time because a lot happens over the span of 80 million years. For instance, the Triceratops and T-Rex, which are two of the most well-known dinosaurs, were only around at the end of the Cretaceous period. Those large dinosaurs that we mentioned earlier that dominated the Jurassic period, like the Diplodocus and the Stegosaurus, they went extinct in the early Cretaceous period. Dinosaurs like these were replaced by Iguanodontians and Ceratopsids. Iguanodontians were herbivorous dinosaurs and Ceratopsids were the group that included Triceratops and Styracosaurus. So all that stuff from anything that you see of any kind of stereotypical production from Jurassic Park to any number of games, movies, shows, etc. are all bullshit. They literally didn't exist at the same time. There was no way for them to. Just keep in mind, this was like a span of 80 million years. Like the turnover rate of dinosaurs was so massive. There would be like... A dinosaur today and like a dead dinosaur 100 years from now. I mean, 80 million years is an insane amount of time. True. Okay. That makes, it it does really make sense. There was a Triassic to Jurassic and then the Cretaceous period alone was 80 million years. Yes. And dinosaurs existed over all three of those periods. So obviously it was, it was, a lot was happening, you guys. Anyway, Iguanodontians were also some of the first dinosaurs in the early Cretaceous to develop complex chewing mechanisms. The previous dinosaurs were just gulping down their food. So wait, hold on. When you say complex. They can chew their food. Before that, they were just 
have you seen a snake eat? So you're you're talking like like just like one of those long necked dinosaurs unhinging its jaw. These these besties were kind of like reptiles. You know? Kind of looked creepy as fuck. Uh huh. Like you wouldn't love to watch a dinosaur eat. If you could help it, you wouldn't do that. Probably not. Yeah. So an early dinosaur, I wouldn't. I would just. I mean, obviously for obvious reasons, they were massive and they might eat me. But I just walked the other direction. I wouldn't even look. I just lied, pretend I was dead. Fair. Okay. Yeah. So um, the previous dinosaur, they were just, you know, gulping down their food. And the late Cretaceous, the Hadrosaurs, which were duck-billed dinosaurs, also started to use teeth to grind up plant matter. Fun fact, the Hadrosaur, Parasaurolophus, had a large crest on its head, which might have been used to make honking sounds. Um, and in this entire podcast episode, that's the most unhinged factoid I've found thus far. That is like the stereotype you would see of like every dinosaur has several things, right? Or, or a movie. Everyone knows the long necks. Yeah. There's the T-Rex. Yeah. You have the, um, you have the Triceratops. The, you have the Triceratops. The, you the Velociraptors. Vel- Velociraptor. You have the d- dinosaur that I can't remember its name that has like the chrome dome head basically for like head budding. Yes. Yeah, and then you have the duckbill dinosaur. Right. And it's like those are the ones that every kid knows. But you should know the Parasaurolophus because um, honking sound. <laughs> Quack, quack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I was writing this and I pictured it and I just started cackling because what the fuck, y'all? Uh, the sound <laughs> of distress as the T-Rex approaches. <laughs> <laughs> so the Jurassic period had the biggest dinosaurs in the Northern Hemisphere. But in the Cretaceous period, we started to find the largest reptiles in the Southern Hemisphere. Titanosaurs were a type of sauropod dinosaur that existed during this time. Patagotitian was a 37.5 meter long titanosaur found in the Cerebarcion Formation in the Cherbet Province in Patagonia, Argentina. And it may be the largest dinosaur found so far. Don't quote me on that, however, because I found conflicting sources. At the very least, it is one of the biggest. The reason for such big dinosaurs during this time period is also kind of a mystery. A lot of scientists say it's due to certain gases in the atmosphere, while others think it was caused by evolution influenced by predator and prey relationships. So as we talked about before, like the bigger the predators got, the bigger the prey got, and it just kept like ongoing. Food chain arms race, basically, yeah. Pretty much. But other people, like, you know, the atmosphere back in the day was really, really different. Guys, I just wanted to talk about this because I thought it was super fun. So we do something called ice core dating. Um, and it, it wouldn't work for time periods such as this because I think it only goes to like 40,000 years or something. But basically, scientists go to Antarctica and Oregon State has one of the leading ice core dating programs where essentially they go to Antarctica and they get like a giant core of ice from a massive glacier or whatever. Um, and they store it really well. They transfer it back to their lab and then they have to slowly thaw it. And the bubbles that are in this ice will obviously hold the gases from that time period where it was frozen, right? And those gases, if you can analyze them, will tell you exactly the composition of the atmosphere at the time that it was frozen. And I think it's so, so cool. And that's how we got a lot of climate that data. so incredibly specific. 
that it's like I I want to know the person that first came up with that idea in the first place because obviously that is you know the, when you're thinking about it now you're like hey that is, I mean obviously it makes so much sense like yeah that that check but out. who would think of that in the first place say that's the cool degree a lot of the stuff that comes with climate science and water resources and natural resources it's just some guy who was like I really want to know this thing how can I figure it out and then boom they just they, they just come up with it because I guess it's all they think about and like have you met me if I have a problem I'm gonna dream about it all night and that's just what they do they think about it until they figure it out and I don't know that's a lot of natural resources, water resources. All of the environmental stuff is kind of like that. They come up with really, really cool ways to figure this stuff out without you really, you wouldn't think of it. Does that make sense? It does. No, I, I do. Totally I, I love get. my school. I love my degree. They come up with fun stuff. Anyway, another question that is raised by dinosaurs of this time is how were so many very large animals supported? Like, yeah, there were trees, but were there enough? Scientists believe that sauropods were very different from mammals. And what we know today, they may have had very different metabolisms and not needed as much food or nutrients as we do right now. But this is still, still like really hard to picture because these animals hatched out of football-sized eggs. And they were massive. Yeah, they grew to insane sizes, which makes us believe that they probably had to eat a lot between like hatching and adulthood <laughs> i guess it also brings into question what exactly would the populations have been at the time because i mean if you have creatures that are on average like you know 80 feet long or whatever it's not like you're gonna have a hundred million of those that are just walking around right i know so yeah we can probably look at the fossil record and kind of figure out we can kind of probably estimate how many we would have had in a population at a certain period of time because you could probably look at how many died over a certain length of time and be like, okay, but then these died after. So we could probably kind of guesstimate is what I'm assuming. I'm really curious. I don't know. But it's really hard to picture because these animals, they, they hatched out these small eggs. They grew to crazy sizes. Maybe their metabolism slowed as they grew up. The potential plant and dinosaur relationships that existed were really big. With dinosaurs potentially spreading the seed of the plants that they ate, which helped to spread the plants, which may have led to more food. So it could have had like a relationship where like they ate those plants and then they spread, you know, like they pooped out the seeds, which would have spread. Yeah, the same the thing plant. happens all across. I mean, pretty much everywhere with birds and everything else and how they, they create forests out of their poop. Exactly. Exactly. So the oceans at this time, they saw the rides of mosasaurs, pliosaurs, and cronosaurs, as well as bony fish, which were known as teleosts. In addition, there were very many ancestral sharks. The rise in sharks and fish happened due to the disappearance of the ichthyosaurs, which, you know, they were from the Jurassic period, if you remember yeah. those. Um, the flying dinosaurs, such as the pterosaurs, at the end of the Cretaceous period had grown to enormous sizes like the Quetzalcoatlus that we mentioned earlier. But these were soon replaced by prehistoric birds that evolved from land-dwelling feathered dinosaurs and not pterosaurs, which, yeah, dinosaurs could have been covered with feathers. How the fuck would we know, you know? <laughs> God, I, just, I really want to know it. So this was due to the feathered dinosaurs being better adapted to the climate of this time. So with all of this life and evolution, what brought life to a screeching halt for the dinos? 
There has been a lot of conflict between catastrophism, which is everything happening all at once, and gradualism, which is the extinction happening slowly with multiple factors. We know that 66 billion-ish years ago, a large asteroid crash-landed off the coast of Mexico and a Chicxulub asteroid. Like, that's what it was called. Oh my god, yeah, you've seen that? Like, if you've actually go, because they have a whole bunch of documentaries and stuff like that that actually shows on Netflix and other things. Yep. Oh, when you see that they do the underwater scans that actually show it, it is crazy. So, I don't know. Okay, so there's this movie. And I, I want to look for it because it, it is a core memory for me. I still dream about it. I still think about it. Um, if you ever watched a movie in the 90s or the early 2000s of asteroids, meteors hitting Earth, I cannot remember the name of it. But as a child, I lost sleep over it. And as an adult, I still do. Um, I'm kind of thinking that's kind of what happened to the dinosaurs without all of the drama. Did you watch a movie like that? I mean, I've seen several things. The thing is, I've seen a whole bunch of varying stuff with cartoons. There was like the, I watched the, the kid's so much dad, of the Discovery Channel. I'm pretty sure the kid's dad was like a firefighter or something, but like meteors were raining down everywhere. There was a love story. I don't remember. I think I was like four or five. I, I had know. no business watching this. I the, think my parents were watching it and my dumb ass woke up and like snuck out to watch it too. The only disaster I movie it. I ever saw was 2012. I know it wasn't 2012. 2012 came so much way later. later. You're right. Because it was a movie that I watched as a ch- small child, very small child that my parents were watching and I had no business watching kind of like Pearl Harbor, which I also watched when I had my mom specifically said, do not watch Pearl Harbor. And then I watched Pearl Harbor and man, when I tell you I cried for a week and the funny thing is I was like crying my ass out and my mom's like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. Well, that's okay. I walked in on people watching Anaconda as a kid. Oh, no. Okay. Fun fact about Anaconda. I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm so glad you brought it up. My mother. Why are you saying that? Okay. My mother and father watched movies like every single night, but I would also sleep in their room a lot because I was, I, was, I was a coward. I was a scared little bitch. Um, and I love to be cuddled. So I would always be like, mom, I want to sleep in your bed. My mom, bless her heart. She would let me. So I was in their bed and she put me to bed. You know, she did her little sing. She scratched my back. Like I should have been asleep by all. And the thing is, my mother didn't trust my ass. So she would also put a pillow in front of my face (laughs) after I fell asleep. She would like, they would put on a movie and they'd put like a giant pillow, like on top of me, like on my stomach to block my face from the TV. Like if I woke up. Yeah. Just they, they, they took, they did everything right. They took all the steps. Okay. Um, I woke up, they were watching Anaconda and I just like lifted that fucking pillow. I lifted the pillow. And as you can imagine, I'm fucking terrified of snakes. Could you imagine how I, she still to this day doesn't know that I saw the movie Anaconda with her. Cause I was so young. Wait, she still doesn't know. No. Why would I tell my mom that I was, um. The worst. Because you're 28 years old? No. (laughs) And you could do what you want now. I'm not going to be like, listen, when I was like five, I watched this movie that I had no business watching because I scammed my way into sleeping in your room and then woke up and watched this movie for like an entire two hours. Be honest. Gabby, our daughter already scams her way into getting these kinds of things. Yeah, but that's their granddaughter and their daughter. My mom would probably be like, oh, you're grounded. And 28 year old me would be like, yep, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? 
<laughs> I don't even know where I was. Okay, asteroids hitting okay. the Earth, and you were asking about the movie. So, um, this asteroid, the Chicxulub asteroid, it vaporized carbonate and sulfur rocks when it hit, which caused acid rain, and it released ash and dirt into the atmosphere. This ash and dirt blocked sunlight, which led to the collapse of the food chain. An article by Catherine Sanderson on Nature.com summarizes a study that showed that fine particles kicked up from the impact may have blocked the sun and prevented photosynthesis for up to two years. So yeah, um, major food chain collapse. Yeah, if all those major creatures need a lot of food and you just stop producing the majority of food, yeah, that's going to cause a problem. And guys, even today, the ocean food chain and a lot of food chains on Earth, um, they're sort of fragile. Like take phytoplankton in the oceans, for instance. They rely on the mixing of water by the ocean conveyor belt. And we need cold, nutrient-rich water to upwell, which it rises up from the bottom to the top for these phytoplankton to thrive. And if ocean temperature warms too much, the conveyor belt may break down, causing a collapse of the marine food chain. Guys, these things are all well-balanced, but changes that we don't even think of can have devastating consequences. Anyway, sorry for getting off track. I literally did a report on that earlier this week. <laughs> so just something to think about. You can Google it. In addition to their food chain collapse, temperatures plummeted by as much as 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 28 degrees Celsius. And wildfires were rampant due to a thermal heat pulse. And we have evidence of these fires from charcoal that was found in the fossil record. There were also massive tsunamis happening in this time period. Around this time, if you guys have heard of the Deccan traps, um, these were also either formed or active, okay? So they, they may have been around before that asteroid ever struck. And basically these Deccan traps, they're huge rugged plateaus that formed when molten lava solidified into rock. They're found in Western India, and some volcanic layers are more than two kilometers or 1.2 miles thick. Oh, like the Deccan Peninsula. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's why they're called that. Yeah, there were, um, it was just a long-ass fucking chain of volcanoes, okay? The CO2 that these volcanoes would have released into the atmosphere would have caused large-scale global warming. The effects of the Deccan Traps eruptions could have been leading to the decline of the dinosaurs long before the asteroid even finished them off. But what we know is that the Deccan Traps and the asteroid were so close together that many believe that the asteroid impact is what triggered the volcanic eruption of the Deccan Traps. So we know that over time, according to the fossil record of at least North America, dinosaurs were in decline. We know that over time, according to the fossil record, at least, you know, of North America, dinosaurs were declining. Many different types were dying off over time in different areas, but everyone can agree that dinosaur fossil dating ended in the era of the asteroid impact. So while they could have been declining, this more than likely would have finished them all off. By the way, the asteroid, it's the Chicks Club asteroid, and there is a massive crater that we can still explore and we do explore and investigate today. This is the thing where there's like scans of it here where they show and you can... It's not just scans. And I'll include photos for you guys, but they had a mission. Um, I'm not sure when, but they were digging into the outer rings. Like they were digging into it to see what they could find. Because truly, the only way to know what's in there or what would have been 
around it at the time is to just go straight in. Yeah. Like you would have to dig into those rings. No, I mean, that doesn't make sense. Like you have to be able to investigate and see it directly. And that, that's what they did. And because it's like underwater, it would be extra hard. But, you know, they went full send and that is good for them. So the really interesting thing about this crater is that scientists, they drilled into it. They got into the ocean to drill and find out exactly what's in there. And here's why they're very sure that the asteroid is the reason for the extinction. So in the 1980s, traces of asteroid dust were found all around the globe in the same geological layer that is tied to the extinction of the dinosaurs. In the 90s, the Chicks Club crater was discovered in the Gulf of Mexico. But how did they prove that this crater is the one that supplied the asteroid dust that spread all around the world at the time of the dino extinction? Is it like what they did with the ice samples? Well, scientists obtained rock core samples from the crater, and in those samples, they found signs of asteroid dust. The signs that they found, it was iridium, which is found in some types of asteroids, but it is super rare in the Earth's crust. So they were able to narrow that down and be like, yes, this came from. Oh, uh, so yeah. because of the impact, they're able to test and see that, all right, here's where all this is located. Since we're finding this at around the same level everywhere else, that means the effect of it was incredibly widespread. Also, they found a high concentration of iridium peppered rock as well as a mix of ash from a sample taken from the crater's peak ring. So like that ring right over. If you guys can see the picture, like you'll know what I'm talking about. The samples that were taken precisely matched the asteroid dust that was found in the 1980s, which matched the geological impact site to all of the dust covering the Earth. So I they see. know, they know that all of that dust in the fossil record comes from this one spot on Earth. And that's how we know, hey, maybe um, this did the great, the great dino dying as I, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. Okay. Dino that's my name for destruction. it. <laughs> DDD. So the crazy thing in one of the articles that I was reading is this asteroid struck in the right place at the right time in order to create the level of chaos that it did. The side of this crater contains large amounts of limestone and hydride, gypsum and hydrocarbons. This means that the impacts send large amounts of these into the atmosphere, leading to absorption of solar radiation. Sites like these are not very common around the globe, but it hit such a sulfur and carbon-rich site that it had a much larger impact than it would have otherwise been expected. Literally, if it was 300 miles to the east or something, or to the west, I mean, it, it wouldn't have had nearly where, as large of an impact. It depends on where this, like, site ends, you know, like, yeah, the no, amount of stuff that you can true. find. That, yeah. So... Another interesting theory, you guys, because we can all pretty much accept that, yeah, it might have been um, the asteroid that led to the volcanoes, that led to the blocking of the sun, that led to changes in the climate, that led to lack of food, that led to all the dinosaurs going bye-bye. But I found this other really cool theory online, and I just wanted to share it here. So it involves Cholecalciferol is kind of um, a deficiency. The cholecalciferol deficiency in dinosaurs, it could have potentially led to reproductive failure in them. And it's actually a fascinating theory. So just hang with me while I try to break this down. Reproductive failure. So large quantities of sulfur and sulfur dioxide were distributed due to this asteroid impact. The thing about sulfur dioxide is in addition to causing a cooling effect due to large quantities being emitted into the atmosphere, it also absorbs UV light in the UVB wavelength range. 
its UVB absorption is 2.5 times greater than that of ozone. And UVB, however, is important and it acts on animals in order for them to produce cholecalciferol. Cholecalciferol is commonly known as vitamin D3. Cholecalciferol has been found to be a necessary part in avian embryonic development and in hens with a deficiency, we saw that embryos in these eggs, they typically died before hatching. So how exactly would this relate to dinosaurs? Well, we have 20 sites where eggs of the Jurassic era have been found and we have 28 sites where eggs from the early Cretaceous era have been found. But we also have 187 sites of the late Cretaceous era where fossilized eggs have been found. So the question that one study asked is, why did so many whole eggs become fossilized? Were the eggs infertile or did the embryos die before hatching? In a study of one type of dinosaur eggs found in southern France, we found very thin shell thickness, which was chalked up to environmental stress at that time. However, cholecalciferol deficiencies can also have, like they can cause thin shells. In addition, scientists have deduced the probable length of dinosaur egg incubation. And the assumption the study made is that even if female dinosaurs had sufficient cholecalciferol in their bodies to allow eggshell formation, it was highly unlikely they had enough to incorporate, like, they couldn't have enough cholecalciferol in their body to give it to the yolk to meet the developing embryo's needs. So this study is essentially saying that, yes, environmental changes led to limited food supply, which did put a strain on the dinosaurs, but also maybe there may have been a potential factor that threatened overall reproduction. That is insane because I made a joke saying like, oh, D, D, D. And I was talking about like, okay, so the reference that I was even trying to go for was when I did a whole thing back when I was a kid on peregrine falcons and DDT, which is like, you know, the, uh, the, um, the pesticide that is something that with the like birds, really, really fragile thin eggs. Shells. Yes. Yeah. So I was making that Sell joke spring. and I didn't realize that that exact thing would factor in with this. Well, we don't know that it does. This is like a theory. I just found this on PubMed. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, it's a theory. Okay. So there are further questions that arise with this theory. As other animals were able to continue to reproduce, these animals may have had different mechanisms for storing or using cholecalciferol as well as different needs. Either way, this is something that would have had, it, would, it would have to be studied through further analysis of these fossilized dinosaur embryos. So we, we, we really wouldn't know for sure. Um, ultimately, it would still come back to, you know, the asteroid hitting and the volcanoes leading to the sulfur being released, leading to everything. It's all kind of related rather than just one singular event. It's like you can have something that's a chain reaction, but not just a singular sequence. It's like it branches off into 30 different things that each one causes in a widespread wave. Exactly. And that guys is really all I have for you. I kind of want to explore other geological eras and time periods because this was super fun to research. And to me, it felt like I learned so much and I really hope that you all learned something too. Make sure to subscribe to our Patreon and let us know what you want to hear because we want to make, you know, more fun episodes that you guys are interested in. And we also really want to make more patron exclusive episodes that you all really want to hear. So leave us a re review, as I asked earlier, because that really helps us grow. And as usual, if you want access to any of our sources, make sure to message us. I always save my links in case you want to do your own deep dive. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Goodbye, my friends. Thank you so much for letting me join in once again. Bye. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! <laughs>